Sorry to bother you, but this is the Tomato Tomato Podcast. And this is a movie podcast, and we talk about the way that movies are reviewed. I am your co-host, Chris. With me is... Your other co-host, Jenna, who does not have the ability to do a white voice like that. <laughs> I have many years experience. In retail. In retail. That. Yeah. Yes. So we're back after a little hiatus. We're now in the new Tomato Tomato HQ, HQ. as you called it on Twitter. Yes, we're officially set up now. Yeah. Um, and if you couldn't tell by the little intro and the episode title and description, we are talking about new release. Sorry to bother you. It's only been out as a wide release for like two days. We tried to see it on Saturday night. We went to the movie theater and it was very promptly sold out. But we weren't even mad. No, it was like, good, this is totally fine. So then we kind of had to restructure our night a little bit and then go last night at like 1030, which is both the ideal and not ideal time to watch this movie. Yeah, because then you're... So first off, right off the top, spoiler alert yeah Anyth- I'll get, from I'll, here okay, on out i will get no like we need to do like a designated like spoiler 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 part but like we can do a little bit more yeah preamble beforehand. but we will talk in depth about th- i i would highly advise if you haven't seen it already just to bail now this is not one of those ones where you can go i'm just gonna listen to this first and it won't affect my enjoyment of the movie because yes. the best ideal way to watch this movie is to go in as blind as possible Yes, and go in with uh, little expectations. Just go in fresh, open-minded. Yes. Um, but we'll get more into that later. Yeah, but it's, so we saw it last night and then could not fall asleep. <laughs> it was just like... Just left with this feeling of... An inexplainable feeling. Yeah. Like, that's a pretty but, good way of putting it. But we left the movie thrilled. Yes. It is fantastic. It... <sighs> Boots Riley directorial debut just like is impressive oh, it, he, it. he's he's coming from the music scene as a rap uh, artist he has a couple albums he has a band yeah and this is his first kind of big uh foray into film and it's goddamn fantastic it's insane so yeah i'm like is there anything else before we do like a designated like i might edit in like sirens or something <laughs> of like please for the love of god do I, not i i think we have to do it now because we can't not talk about the spoilers well, i know i my point is just to leave a little bit of wiggle room so that like it's not like okay spoiler warning and twist because there's many twists in this movie in ways that will surprise you and the less you know about them, the better. The better. So, um, yeah, just go see it. Please go, like, honest to God, do not keep listening if you have not seen this pause movie. Pause it. I'm Come serious. Back. Like, sometimes we say this and it's, like, about, like, Infinity War or, like, just Black Panther or, like, movies that were kind of like, yeah, don't go in, like, don't let us spoil it for you. But, like, it this is... It was his sled the whole time. <laughs> but this is genuinely one where... I don't want to spoil this for anyone. I don't want to be responsible for doing that. So turn away now if... Turn around. God damn it. Turn around now if you have not seen this and you plan to at any point in time. And then just revisit us. This We're going to get sued. Don't keep okay. saying that. I, I think it's 30 seconds. I, I'm under the... It's like 10 seconds. Okay. I'm pretty sure. I don't want to get sued. I guess me talking over it helps, but we still could get sued. Um, Spoil the wall. Spoiler wall. Right now, spoilers. Full spoilers. Turn back. Turn back. Go see this and then come back. So the tomato meter is currently at 
if I sound exasperated, viewers it's, or listeners, it's because I had to cut out like a minute where he just flat out, point blank, spoiled the plot twist way too early. <laughs> and I did not want us to be that podcast that is totally dickish. And it's like you took a second too long to reach your your device. Yeah. And then we spoiled this for you. So We did give you plenty of warning. I know, but like too soon. Um, so the tomato meter is currently certified fresh at 95%. There are 139 reviews counted. 132 are fresh. Seven are rotten. The average rating is 7.8 out of 10. Critical consensus is fearless, ambitious, scathingly funny, and thoroughly original. Sorry to bother you. Loudly heralds the arrival of fresh filmmaking talent and writer-director Boots Riley. The audience score is 67%. The average rating is 3.5 out of 5 with over 1,500 user ratings. Which, when we pulled this up after the movie, it was like, that seems like a totally fair audience score. Yeah, because <clears throat> if you've just seen the first <coughs> initial trailer, or like and tweets, that was it. Like, because they've been like promoting tweets about this movie. Yeah. Like, you can see them on Twitter And, and so that was often. kind of your only impression of the movie going in you're expecting one thing you're expecting you, you a completely get, different movie well, you get that thing that is presented so in the trailers built on top of it there's so much more yeah it, it's, it's a very multifaceted movie um like some of the reviews that we're going to go over kind of get into that Do which we, one are you starting well let's start with npr Okay. NPR. So NPR was one of the seven outlets to rate this rotten so far. Uh, this <clears throat> review comes from Mark Jenkins. Yes. Uh, sorry to bother you. Ambitious telemarketing satire can't close the sale. Um, uh, it says, isn't really apologetic about irking anybody. In fact, the goal of his cinematic debut is to hassle the complacency out of everyone in the house. The movie needles with such glee that it barely matters that the third, uh, the last third is a bewildered, beguiling, bewildering mess. <laughs> it, um, I guess I'm like. It's, <sighs> it, it's one of those movies mm. where. So, so, so let me preface with one thing. I went into this movie. I had read, I had seen the trailer. I had seen some tweets. I read one article that was an interview with the costume designer and it wasn't spoilerly like, like they kind of said you can read through this it just talks about like stuff you've seen in the trailer and it at one point though it said in like an intro paragraph it said like this movie presents a version of our world until it doesn't and so i knew that going in you had no earthly See, idea my, my expectation was kind of this <clears throat> satirical workplace comedy in the vein of office space yeah. with a dash of idiocracy but with the wrapped in this kind of do the right thing do the right thing aesthetic yeah and like mindset and sort yeah. of stuff i was i was going in expecting that kind grounded in reality sort of but with this quirkiness yeah because like after i left i told you there are a lot of these kind of edgar wright isms yes in terms of the the style of it all the cinematography is great the I love the color choices throughout the movie. I am Boots a, Riley. I am a. I fucking love when color is used well in movies. That is why I give La La Land probably way more credit than it probably should because that movie does really good use of color. And, and he, this movie is like it. It's almost like old Hollywood level of like even this that, side is this color and choice. this side is this color. Like he, it's so and, and, deliberate and. It's, and it isn't just for the sake of aesthetic. There's like the, it's a visual cue. Yeah. Like so, Boots Riley character Cassius. He, or he, Le- Le- Keith. Like he. Oh yeah yeah. <laughs> You're he, tired. He, it's he more. starts off 
as the, a low-level telemarketer, and it, there's all these kind of drab colors surrounding him. And as he moves up kind of the corporate ladder, things get vibrant and cleaner. And, and I love that kind of subtle choice. Well, and, like, they get more vibrant, quote-unquote, but they also get darker. Like, yeah. everything, the color the color palette is more vibrant at the beginning of the movie, I would say. Yeah. And then it kind of gets more clean and... Like, no, 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 it's behind the jade door. The jade God. door, not I, the olive I door. Knew, I knew as he was walking down that hallway. <laughs> I was like, yeah. God, fuck. I was like, every it's green. Everything's yeah. green. Like, okay. Blood orange. It's red. It's, yeah, exactly. But So uh, the cinematographer on this was Doug Emmett, and he did Edge of Seventeen, the one I love. Oh, great. Um, Yeah, he did a lot of, like, fuck, he did, like, really good, like, Stuff you stuff that like makes sense that he then went on to this, but it also doesn't at the same time. It's yes. a lot of like indie comedies and stuff. But like even then, all of this is elevated so much more beyond what you would expect yeah. in terms of visual presentation. It just has such a strong script well, that they it, both elevate. That's why I said it's almost like a old Hollywood yeah. sort of thing of like how color is used and like the long like Hitchcockian almost shots of certain stuff. Yeah. Like, there's so many choices in this movie that I feel like I could watch this just from the, like, the perspective of, like, analyzing the filmmaking decisions and the camera movements and stuff. Yeah. And it could be a completely different movie to me. I love, he used it over and over again. Kind of like the, the, the static kind of montage scenes where we're just, the cameras, like, there's, okay, so, but going back to the, the review, he says, uh, what awaits, Cash is uh, a critique of global capitalism that's farcical yet not entirely fictional. It includes the international arms trade and factories that are indistinguishable from prisons. Um, yeah, there's a lot of like there's a lot of so there's not one social issue that is tackled here. They're all tackled many. from different angles like it's it's a bunch of different things that it's kind of swinging for the fences and i think it mostly it's ambitious yes but for me it works but and it and it's all things that like of course the class stuff would fit into the race stuff would fit yeah. into the gender inequality would fit in like and all boots, of it kind yeah. of coincides with each other really well yeah and boots riley is from oakland where the the movie sets so he knows <clears throat> And he apparently yeah. used to be a telemarketer. Yeah. Yeah. So he, like, this was just taking what he was aware of and heightening it to, like, a million. And, yeah, uh-huh. like, the, the the farcical but not entirely fictional thing, that was what got me. Like, because you get maybe five minutes into the movie and then they establish the worry-free prisons, basically. Yeah. And, it, and I was like... Oh, this is the weird sci-fi thing we're going. Yeah, because I was like, was... I was kind of like, this is going to be happening in the background, and that's, that's going that, to be. It, it like... was kind of like this world building. Which thing I that I would... love the idea of that of like setting a movie that's like character based and not so much this larger than life plotline, but in a world that is simultaneously crazy, having some crazy thing happen. Yeah. But then this movie goes all in with the craziness, and it works. But even then, like the worry free stuff, like unsettled me. Like you're kind of supposed to be like, oh, this is. It's supposed to fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> like, like the world that they establish in this movie between like worry free and the fucking I, I get the I get the I shit say, kicked out of me and the, all of that. I can't remember which review it was. I yeah. kind of towards like when we get further into like the second act of it all, mm-hmm. it kind of I don't want to say meanders, mm-hmm. but it's it doesn't have it's not as tight as the first like half hour 40 minutes or so. It kind of But see, it's kind of like there were a couple like the whole um squeeze Stephen Young's yeah. character and yeah. um 
Tessa Goat Thompson. Yeah. Um, Their whole, like, thing. I didn't need that. Like, I I get the purpose of it, but it was, like, there was... I thought that was a super, like, adult way to go about that. It it was a mature way to have a love triangle. And to have that in a movie with... POC yeah. is kind like, of a, it's kind on, of, it's quietly that, profound yeah. in its own yeah. way. Yeah, on that level of having representation of a love triangle that's handled maturely is great. Yeah. In terms of story, and I think it's a little superfluous. I don't know. It's just, it, I, I, I get, feel like it, it made sense to me with, mm-hmm. with Detroit as a character it made sense to me and I liked the fact that she kind of had her own like she wasn't just popping up as the story needed it she was kind of having her own story that sometimes intersected with yeah there's a there's a like a lot of the characters like her uh, Detroit her character arc it's played throughout the background as you slowly figure out what she's doing and she's part of this underground well, leftist like you movement. figured that out relatively yeah. early i think in the timeline of the movie which like it kind of was one of those things where i was like of course she is and then yeah. but then like where things kind of escalate from there and where her arc goes from there it kind of makes things mm-hmm. it i appreciated that it was like she has her own storyline in this movie that's so heavily involved in cassie's storyline yeah. so yeah it it is a large cast uh, I think I w- some w- people are kind of underused, which we'll get like, into with the Vanity Fair review because yeah. they mentioned that um, outright. The NPR also says, uh, sorry to bother you, it takes too long to get to the payoff that's impressively brash, but too <laughs> surreal to function as satire. I think they're... And then it says, yet tightening and focusing the movie script probably wouldn't have helped. Chaos is essential to Riley's vision, and the movie's absurdity is as timely as it is excessive. At a political moment like this one, no telemarketing hype is too preposterous. I, they're missing the point. Exactly. It's, it's well, supposed to be this... Satire is supposed to be a heightened... Version of reality. It's... So, like, now I think we can talk about the twist. I think we're far yeah. enough to where people have turned back now if they... Like, if you're still listening, you're in it. Now. Yeah. Horse people. There are horse people. So <laughs> the worry free organization led, led by, by Army, Army Hammer is, is turning people who sign these life contracts to work into human hybrids. But see, okay, so I was thinking about something this morning. I don't know if the horse people were the worry-free employees or if they had been something else and they had been invited to a steve lift party and i then think they... it was some kind of experimental thing like they so never here's... well here's the thing they never necessarily say it outright like the only one of those that we really so... talked to is forrest whitaker's character and he kind of says like i'm from oakland blah blah, blah. like they never say outright so... like i was working for worry-free and then they turned me into this i, I think it might be touched in one of the reviews yeah. or i saw it somewhere on twitter so it's it's this kind of allegory yeah. for slavery. When, well, duh, well, yes. But obviously, but in terms of like, to get more specific, there, in the 1800s, there was the house slave. Yeah. The one slave who mm-hmm. would get, it's like, oh, you don't have to work in the fields now. Yeah. You get to work in the house. Yeah. And then and some of the other slaves might resent that. It's like, yeah. oh, you get slightly better treatment than we do and that's kind of well that's what yeah that's cassius as a role yeah. but like in terms of just the horse so people but, yeah, i feel, I feel like, like it was a slow 
like <sighs> they were starting the well, cause, genetic. Like, yeah, because part of me thinks that like the 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 thing that you pointed out last night about Danny Glover's character kind of like recontextualized some bits of the movie for me. He knows like, what's going. Danny on. Glover's character has gone through this before. He has gotten like he has gotten as far as Cassius has gotten, and not necessarily seen something as fucked up as that. He knows about what the power callers are selling and stuff so it made like that that's why it kind of like it felt to me as if this sort of thing of like cassius is just the latest one he's not the first one so that was why i was kind of like seeing that sort of contextualizing with it but like it's that reveal is so it it just punches you in the fucking face it's so visceral in the way that it's done and horse penis (laughs) yeah and thank you riley for using practical effects for these human horses. I genuinely like something about that review or that reveal and how it's presented and how uncanny valley that those things kind of look and how like how well they look and are, are grotesque as it's, fuck. I he like, does his job I told it's so you as we were trying to fall asleep last night. I'm like I am going to have nightmares about horse people <laughs> and I don't want to fall asleep. Like you went to bed and I fell asleep like an hour later because I was like I need to play on my phone until I'm not thinking about horse people and their giant horse penises. Like it, it's done so well that it is so unsettling and it it totally fits like it works on so many levels to have that weird reveal and like i this is why i think the audience score is <laughs> is at 67 because it's something that people weren't expecting it no. is jarring it is kind of grabbing you by the it like gets under your skin like there's moments yeah. before then where it's like because then like it... even more so after you realize what it all means well, yeah. It's and, it's the whole get out of it all. Exactly. Like, I, I get... There were people who were like, don't compare this to get out. And, it like, it is its own completely it different is. thing. These were both made completely independently of like each we other. Like we were saying, it, the they're The script for sign- this was finished in 2012. 20, yeah. Yeah, 2012. He, he, Riley Boots, he did publish a, a, a book. Like, he published a, a this version, script yeah. as a book in... In 2014. Yeah. So, like... This, it's been out there. And, like, he said in one interview that he had something... He had a line that said, like, worry-free is making America great again. And then he had to change it because the real world to, got to... Hit a little too close Yeah, to it was, like, too on the fucking nose. And that was, like... It's amazing to me knowing that revelation because the... Like, there's so much stuff about like the Steve Lift plot line and like how how the culture responds to it felt so indicative of right now that that almost, that makes it even more unsettling. If this movie yeah. had come out a couple years ago, like before Trump, I feel like it would not have had the, the impact, the emotional impact yeah. and the cultural impact that I'm hoping I've that seen, it has. I've seen multiple cases on Twitter where people are saying people have got up and left the yeah, theater. Like old white men are like, oh, fuck. And then they just leave. Yeah. But like it because and I told you, I said, if I had watched this by myself as like a home release thing by myself one day, I would have stopped as like five different times yeah. because I was like, this is almost too much but it works on such a visceral level and i had to keep giving it credit because it's like this is what film is supposed to do film is supposed to make me feel emotions and make me like take me along for this ride and make me really really give a shit and we kind of get desensitized to it with all the different blockbusters and franchises and stuff we see where everything kind of gets wrapped up in this nice little bow. And like and there's little doesn't. pockets of stuff that surprise you in those movies, but it's still very formulaic. And then you get this 
which is so creatively focused. And, and, the, and that can launch into a whole other uh, conversation of the commercialization of film. And But let me jump but, into but, Vanity I mean, like, but Fair. It, it, is, it still is kind of a thing. It's like I, I can't remember a film that has made me feel like this. I don't know. That well, has, like, okay, so um, Kay Austin Collins, yes, Vanity who, Fair, loves this I movie. I think we read his Infinity War review. Yeah, and I so, feel like. so they say... As Riley's rip-roaring imaginative movie plays out, it's a job that launches him on a outlandish, satirical, wonderfully uh, political tour of America's enduring problems with race and class, and most especially, their intersection. In simpler terms, the movie is an adventure. It... It is. And, like, every... There's so many little things, because, like, that next line talks about the fact that, like, when he does the telemarketing stuff, he, like, crashes into the room of whoever he's, like, talking to. I that. Love was that. brilliant. Like, if if the entire movie was what the trailers had sold of just, like, it's this weird telemarketing movie... I would have been totally content with That would have been totally it. fine. I like the quirky workplace comedy with a yeah. little social commentary. But, like, this was... Leaned so much on the social commentary, but in a way that is so profound and just the fact like you have all these movies that are like indie movies that are trying to say something and they always say it in this like grim dark or like super stylized like sort of posh sort of thing and, and then you have this in a movie poppy, that's colorful way. messy and colorful and like lower class and kind of highlighting the people that don't normally get seen in movies yeah like the the fact that you get this much commentary in that sort of package only makes it better i yeah. think this is a movie that only Bruce only Bruce Riley, Riley could have made. Yeah. No one else could have made this movie. <laughs> like, um, and so in other words, sorry to bother you. Is this a real ride? It touches on predominant conversations on race and class in our culture, like minorities' ability to code switch or hop back and forth between white grammar and demeanor and their own at will. Unions too are a dominant theme, as uh, an agitator in telemarketing. Uh, 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 what else did they say? Um, um yeah i i love the choice of because they talk about the white voice more of using <laughs> david cross and pat oswald and to and not have the, and to not have the dub be good like yeah. the dub fucks up quite a bit and that only adds to it i think yeah because it's not even because it it fits right into the first scene where he learns about the white voice where danny glover's kind of like it's not what white people sound like it's what white people think they sound like and so that kind of like led right into the magical realism of it of like having the dub be bad and not really work kind of further but you buy into the point of yeah you buy into it but even as a viewer you're sitting there and you're like like, this is bullshit but even from a telemarketer standpoint you're not meant to see their face you're only hearing their voice and i remember like i've had times where i've called telemarketers and i've been like Oh, they sounded more white than I was expecting. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, it, it, it totally is part of the problem. But, so, uh, yeah. But this isn't a story predicated on merely teaching him a lesson, even if he learns one. The movie isn't uh, isn't a rigged thesis. It's a conversation starter. More urgently, uh, it's a fantasy. Riley gives us a fully imagined theatrical, comical universe, our present-day political maelstrom pushed to its oddest ends, you can't limit the movie's meaning to a single idea. And I did it. Collins, yeah, Collins, yeah. you 
totally fucking get it. Mm-hmm. it it's not just one thing. This is what happens when you have people of color review movies exactly. that are predominantly starring people of color. Which we have discussed many times on yeah, here. Too many is, white. But like, that's why I sought out this review because I was like, I want to know what that perspective is. Like, to an extent, like, there's there's a lot of white men that are have fresh reviews of this movie but i'm more interested in the different personal impacts and stuff the people who have more investment in this and who understand but at the same time i kept joking to you i was like i want to do an exit survey of every single white person that was in our theater because it was about 50 50 i would say yeah like it, it was a small theater and it was mostly full but even then like there were quite a few white people who like the second it got over just ran out of their seats <laughs> so yeah it yeah. riley has populated his movie with so much ideological flourish it'll make your head spin just look at what's playing on tv in this world narrated tours of the worry-free living headquarters a la mtv cribs but sadder a show <laughs> called i got the shit beat out of me which i love that because in this universe the the title of the show shit uh, is censored but you literally see, see people get the shit kicked out of them and, and covered they, in literal yeah, shit but that's not censored shit. yeah um he gives us a thriving culture of activists who wear black under their left eye and try to undermine worry free at every turn um there's such a there's a lot of great world building like this is something that could movie. be a comic almost like but I almost don't want this universe to ever be expanded on. I, I, it's one of those things I would love to see more of this universe, but I don't. don't I've seen, to. I've seen yeah, enough. Yeah, this was exactly what was intended. Yeah, it, like, if I want more, I'll just look at the goddamn window. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Uh, let's. He goes on to say, if I have a complaint, it's that a few of the characters in this movie could have been sharper. The movie is consistently yeah. fun, and its tendency to careen right through some of its most evocative details isn't totally bothersome, except in the case of certain characters. Some of the exchanges in this movie are so effortlessly loaded with interpersonal history and curiosity that it made me crave more of the movie's personalities and less of his concept. There's a fight between Cash and his best friend Salvador, for example, in which the men try to one-up each other with passive-aggressive displays of affection. It's one of the funniest, most colorful instances of romance that I've ever seen in a movie. The scene is a shining example of Riley's singular imagination, which is deservedly getting a lot of positive attention as well as its politics. But as the rest of the movie, what lingers most for me in this moment is the people that are caught up in its web. First, I love that bit with him in Salvador. I hope you have a nice day. day. I hope your week is fantastic. I hope you have a great month with full of success. (laughs) I hope your year is just perfect. (laughs) Like, it's so... That on its own, you could write a paper about that scene. Like, it's such... Because, like... So, for context, Cash, he's crossing the picket line. He's selling out. He's selling out, betraying his friends, not joining their, their protest. But they still our friends yeah and they're like i get what you're doing i don't agree with it but i support you on some level like i'm like you do you kind of sort of like i'm not yeah it's and it's an interesting choice yeah and then just the timing i love the comedic timing in this movie i know like you would have thought that boots riley came from a comedy background but he doesn't but that almost makes it better because i honestly think that a lot of the comedy writers quote unquote that are around and make movies are like have a very formulaic like they play into expectations they play into sort of like a formula whereas this completely goes outside of it and there's so many like visual gags too meant for laughs and to foreshadow like early on when he first gets his telemarketing job 
and the the printer is going buck wild behind him and the paper is flying everywhere and it's getting worse and worse and it's like that's funny but also this means something yeah i never thought about like what that means but like it's just gonna get worse that's true yeah like you can't put the like like i i want to read the script for this just to see how much detail yeah riley put in it is in terms of like visual cues and gags and Like I told you, I have never wanted a director's commentary more I need for it. a movie. Like, this is fucking... There's so much. And, like, even as we were sitting there in the hours after we saw it last night, there's so many little things that completely... It's like Get Out. It's going to be one of those things where after Get Out came out, everyone kind of, like, overanalyzed and, like, dissected different little scenes and figured out different moments. And we were already doing that just from what we had remembered. Yeah, I remember because yeah. I had I I knew the the twist and the ending of Get Out mm-hmm. before seeing it, and that almost and that almost it, heightened like it had been so long since it had come out that so it, I was able to pick up on cues like there were certain lines that character said and was like, oh, I and, see the double meaning and of that. certain things where it's like this is a so, like, the silver spoon and like the yeah. little like allegorical stuff. And I'm sure this like looking back on sorry to bother you, there's I so already, many little things like you said like the apples apples. Uh, Mr. Beep's character. Yeah, Mr. Uh, Blank. Yeah, it's seven underscores. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Like, he always has an apple. And, like, even... I I could be, like, a tinfoil hat thing or I'm looking too deep in, like, the whole office setup. All the Mm -hmm. cubicles look... Could be, like, stables for horses. It's this whole... They're literal workhorses. Is Boots what Riley are. has single-handedly, or single-handedly make me hate horses. I hate <laughs> horses now because of Boots Riley. Like, if I wasn't allergic to horses, this would be more traumatic to me. <laughs> but I'm now, like, I have a genuinely good reason to stay away because I am creeped the fuck out. And that's the thing, is it's so effective. And it's like, I'm sitting there and I'm like, this weird sci-fi satire thing is making me feel the way that people of color feel all the fucking time. Like, the level of discomfort and, like, fear and worry about everything. That's the thing, is it's like Get Out, but, like, it presented in a completely different package. It's because we're getting all these films from black writers and directors now that kind of, I don't want it seems lazy to say in the post-Trump era... But it is though, like we got Get Out, we have this, we have Blind Spotting coming yeah, up. Yeah, but about... like, yeah, but like this and Get Out are outliers almost because they yeah. were, they were, the, the, in... the thing that makes them more profound is the fact that they weren't written as a response to Trump. Yeah. They were just like written way beforehand, and they came out at the right time. Yeah, and then, sorry to bother you, isn't like it's not about one singular thing. It's not one, like how Get Out was about this one experience this one race issue uh like contextualized contextualized in a horror genre where sorry to bother you is about many things it's just about in a uh, sci-fi horror yeah kind of package yeah yeah it's like this is a this is a twilight zone episode on steroids and like like we have said several times since we saw this movie if jordan peele does not like bring boots riley in for the twilight zone reboot i swear a missed opportunity like yeah so now we're we technically have four reviews picked for this episode if you're listening and you've never heard our premise before i hope you're having fun this is way too late to explain our premise i just realized that but Um, we have four reviews that we selected because this one 
we kind of like because it's very short and very to the point as a rotten review but yeah. it yeah so this is from the san diego reader it gave zero out of five stars as a rating it's one paragraph yeah so uh the white speak from black lips and coitus interrupt his garage door gags have been tipped in the trailer precious little is left to laugh at in this edition of amateur night at the multiplex i don't i, I completely disagree with that yep. there's so much that is not like even the stuff that you see in the trailers it had been a while since i had seen the trailer it's been a while. yes i meant to do that on purpose i it, it had been a hot minute since i had seen the first trailer for this so even the stuff that i forgot like was still funny like the stuff that i had already seen kind of was heightened more within the context of the movie yeah he scott marks he just doesn't he he <laughs> thinks this is paul blart that's what he says he goes telemarketers are tar- as targets from which satire flows eternal we're spigoted about the same time as mall cops and that's not all this jammed scattergun approach to comedy has in common with the terminally incoherent paul blart i think he he should have his review card revoked when he puts Paul Blart in the same caliber as this movie. Unlike, uh, so... Because, like, sure, that um, outsourced movie came out around the same time as Paul Blart. Yeah. And I guess that I guess that's what he's trying to point out is, like, we talked, like, that, those two things both came to public consciousness at the same time, but, like, this, that is comparing a, like, home-cooked meal at a really awesome underground restaurant to a Big Mac. Yep. Like, that's what comparing this movie to Paul Blart is. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Uh, so now we're going to jump over to real film reviews. Oh, we didn't want to say anything more in the reader? Eh, Let's there's see. not much more to glean. It's so short and not insightful at all yeah he says in an in an attempt to say something important about the human condition rapper turned director boots riley spends most of his time landing face first on the canvas i'm like dude no like (laughs) i will say boots riley for his first directorial debut he has such a clear voice voice and a clear and like we were we were like yeah it's it's not and he was kind of saying like i kind of was learning by the seat of my pants like how to articulate what i wanted because he, like, like he's still learning yeah. like it's not it's not fully be perfect, perfect no. but for his debut holy yeah. shit you would think this guy has a film background but no he comes from music, music which almost kind of makes it that's why this has such a unique energy to it because it's a new fresh voice yeah well and so like you were saying because we had a whole discussion last night about how even the, the the small things that we don't like about this movie we're willing to look past for the sake of like it's a very clear creative voice what were the things for you where you were like eh I well kind of like the whole the little love triangle yeah I thought I see if I see a second viewing of it mm-hmm. like the whole second act not meandering but mm-hmm. it's it, like it wasn't as tight as the first one. So like, what like, would there, you there define might, as the second act, quote unquote? There might have been a like, scene or two I would have cut or trimmed. Yeah. Um, but see, like, I just need a second like, viewing. If the second act is from when he becomes a power caller to horse people, then see my thinking, and part of it is, is Get Out. Like, if Get Out had not come out before this, I would not. I would. Have, I would have had a different. I think eye Get Out was a this. very tightly written movie, and it is. It's supposed to be because it's yeah. so self-contained. But like, this is much more sprawling. Yeah, but even I think that, because like, he's because working the, with the such a. Is, like the second act for me, I I didn't necessarily see it as like spread too thin or kind of a lull because I was still kind of 
it was giving me more time to like pick apart what was going on and Mm -hmm. kind of start to figure out like interpret stuff of what was happening and kind of have a better understanding of stuff instead of just having it constantly like slap me in the face over and over again and then get to the third act i think i just need a second viewing because it happens to me a lot where i on, on initial viewing, I will think some scenes didn't run, play well. Yeah, yeah, run longer than they yeah. need to. But on a second viewing, they're like, much tighter. Yeah, yeah. So I think I need that just to kind of process it all because I just, I just experienced the movie and I'm still. But now I can like after a second viewing, I can like sit down and like think about it. Yeah, and like we're gonna be thinking about this for a long while. This will have a lot of staying power. Yes, absolutely. But yeah, so we, our fourth review, it's Uh, still a short review, but it's still one to look at. And like, if you combine these both together, they equal one long review. But yeah, yeah, this is from Real Film. uh, It certainly does an effective job of initially drawing the viewer into the unapologetically oddball proceedings as Sorry to Bother You boasts a creative, unpredictable opening stretch that's rife with appealing elements, with most obviously the movie benefiting substantially from Stanfield's thoroughly compelling uh, turn as the affable protagonist. I think this is something that I saw Boots touch on mm-hmm. in his AMA uh, how fucking good Lakeith Stanfield is. Because he is this he is this every man. I'll get to Don't worry. I'll okay, get, we'll, we'll get so, to it. Yeah, you say your tangent and then I will say mine. So he, he's, he does such a good job of playing the every man in an endearing way. Yeah. And not in the kind of bad example but the Dwayne Johnson every man of it all it's like an like Dwayne Johnson is a very unobtainable every man yeah like he's supposed to represent everybody but it's like no one is the no one yeah like absolutely no one is the rock other than the rock but like and so now so now you have Lakeith and he feels so authentic even as he's a character who like isn't perfect and screws up and kind of isn't sure what his moral compass is he still feels like that only made it more authentic to me that he wasn't this like perfectly fine and like you were saying yesterday he does go on this hero's journey that's like visually he, shown yeah. in his apartment like it's yeah. changed it's still his home and like but it's he different. references it in the final scene where he yeah. like comes back and he tricked out the garage which like thank you terry cruz for being in this movie by the way i just have not to say enough that. screen time it, it's yes. funny because apparently he did like the like late night show appearances and stuff for this movie and i'm like you were in it for two minutes maybe total yeah. but like so he comes back to the the garage that he's renting from his uncle terry cruz and he has like all the fancy furniture inside the garage because he's like I, I couldn't come back to this exact the same is like what he says and it's it totally is like beat for beat the hero's journey just like in this new like i mean and it's mentioned outright but like where the hero's journey goes from there is just buck wild and so now having said all of that about lakeith i'd like to issue an apology so last night last night i mentioned to him i go i told him i go we need to issue a formal apology about anything we bad we said about lakeith stanfield going back about going back about maybe 20 25 episodes last year last year in our death note episode go revisit it it's a classic so but here's the thing so i told i told he plays you, a weirdo in that i told movie. you i was like we need to apologize for how we what we said about him at death note and you go what are you talking about he wasn't in death note and i pull up pictures of the movie and i because and I, i'm explaining to you i'm like no he was the guy that ate cake and like sat on his heels weird and wore hoodies and blah 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 blah. and you're like that wasn't him you're not no 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 and then i kept showing you pictures and you were like genuinely shook that it was the same person I... It's, 
whatever happened to him between Death Note and now... But see, it's... I don't think anything happened to him, quote-unquote. <laughs> I think it's a He case, embraced the weirdness and, it's like, a, it's fuck a it up better, It's a better script. It's a better movie. It's a better director. It's yeah. a clear point of view and not a white man trying to make a. He a was anime. clearly like, invested in this movie and enjoyed which making like, it. Sure, he was invested in Death Note, too, but, like, at the same time... In a weird way. Yeah, like, this... He's a revelation in Sorry to Bother You. Like, it's so... And... Uh, We'll talk about like let's just talk about like the the the, the final scene. Okay, so because uh, like for go, me, I. So going back to the oh, reveal yeah. reviews, so it says there reaches a point though at which sorry to bother use positive attributes are rendered moot by a somewhat pointless and aggressively aimless third act with the inclusion of a few serious out, out, outro plot twists, uh, only compounding the growing atmosphere of outright desperation, which in the end confirms the movie's place as an ambitious but ultimately ineffective debut endeavor. And I completely disagree with that. I like, do not know who wrote this review, but I would... David Nussar. Oh, yeah, there it is. Um, respectfully disagree, David. It... Um, like, the third act is a huge left turn. It's, it's a crazy-ass thing that you don't, like... It's so, it's such a fucking weird and unique thing that I admire, but it also at the same time, like I said, I sat there and I was like, I have a weird taste in my mouth. I don't feel well. This is like crawling under my skin because it's so effective. And then it only makes, like, the fact that this movie doesn't really end with everything nicely wrapped in a bow, like at the last minute it gets even more fucked up, is like only more admirable to me. I'm so- any other director might have not gone there and wrapped it up in a nice bow. But then they go there. Yeah. And it, it like, it, you, I, it's this one final gut it, punch. It wouldn't have been as good if they didn't do it. But I, I don't know. I, on one hand, because it, it's the same thing. It's like, I would have been more comfortable if they had ended it with everything nicely wrapped but in a bow. But then it wouldn't be but sorry to I'm bother like, you. Yeah, but then I'm like, this whole point of this movie is to make me uncomfortable. So of course he fucking turns into a horse. Like, yeah. it... It's so weird and bonkers, and the fact that there's never really a wrap-up. Like, he turns into... He starts to turn into a horse, which, thankfully, they extend it beyond there, because otherwise it's nightmare fuel. It's like he turns into a horse, and then he goes and beats the shit out of Army Hammer, and then movie's over. Yep. Like, it's so... No one else would have thought to go there. And it's it's like the, the it alternate ending... It's like the alternate ending to Get Out. Yeah. Where it's this kind of, like... But, and it almost feels lazy to compare it to Get Out, but, but like the parallels are there. And like the the alternate ending to Get Out seems so tame in comparison. Yeah, because like it, this is so bonkers, and this like everything about this movie is so insane, but in like the most profound and interesting and unique way. I need to see it again just to study it. Yeah. And digest it all. Yes. Because I know there's so much more that I missed. Like, there's little things that, like, you were reading on Reddit or that we kind of, like, randomly thought of where it's like, oh, shit, that's this a parallel. This means this, yeah. Yeah, like, there's so many little st- seeds of stuff throughout this movie yeah. that are genuinely brilliant. Like, I, I'm i so happy that this movie exists. I'm so happy that we saw it opening weekend. I, it's one of those things, I want people to see this, but I don't know how I don't to know, tell I, them. I don't know how to pitch, because before seeing it i would have just yeah it's like this quirky workplace comedy with yeah. a little social commentary yeah it's like okay i can see that and now <laughs> knowing what's in the third 
act the final scene it's like i have to i, I don't want to tip people off to what because you almost about. can't really say because no, know nothing going in like, because i don't want to put anything in their head so they go like, in fresh and don't yeah. have any kind of expectations if you tell someone avoid spoilers for this movie then they're gonna be like well why the fuck should i because like, the trailer sells you on a completely different movie granted that movie is it in sells there. you on the first half of the movie it doesn't sell you on the second half yeah yeah and it, I, it's <sighs> i wish more movies did that in terms of marketing and trailer Because we, we go from that to Ant-Man and the Wasp, which just like blew its load in terms of trailer content. And, and then that, I think that's just it's still a general a movie, blockbuster but it's thing. Also, yeah, it's like, it's interesting to see how a blockbuster is marketed versus an indie movie. And in terms of what they were able to present already and what, what was still hidden. Well, I think that's because it's the whole commercialization of it all. Yeah. It's the brand recognition of yeah. like... We know you're going to see this. We'll show you whatever, and you'll st- still see it anyways. Whereas yeah. something like this that is clearly creatively driven, mm-hmm. it's like you need to experience it without having any preconceived notions of what you're going to get. Like, I can't I can't remember the last movie that I saw in the theaters that, like, genuinely, like, surprised me this much. Shrek 2. <laughs> That fucking dance number at the end just gets you. It was fantastic. But yeah, this movie, like, we've barely even talked about Army Hammer and how he's a goddamn revelation and how he is the closest thing to John Hamm. Yeah, because I told you earlier, his career choices are very John Hammian in the way he could be a big movie star. He just chooses not to be, and he makes these brilliant career choices. He just chooses not to be. No, he just kind of stays in his own lane. Yeah. Like like I was saying to you, because like Boots didn't write this movie with anyone in mind. He had finished the script way beforehand. And so apparently when he pitched it to Army Hammer, Army Hammer was like, oh, you get to play like a coke-fueled orgy crazy guy? Sure, I'm in. Like whatever. Like you have to kind of be like the ultimate ally to like read this script and know what it's trying to say and then sign on to play the villain. Like you can't just have someone who's not understanding of what's going on playing that role because there's so many layers to how fucked up he is he does it so well everything in this movie is so good i'm just i don't even want to do our game that we do at the end because i'm like like you kind of mentioned one possibility but i'm like i don't want boots riley to get into like the commercialization of the blockbuster industry like watching this i was things like I'm super excited to see where he's going. Whatever go next. he does next, he's he's developing a TV it. show apparently. But like outside of that, whatever he sees, I will be there because I am genuinely blown away. Yeah. But like the one suggestion wanna, that you made of like a comic book would IP. be Prez because yeah. it, it it's that same kind of idea that the recent Prez series, uh, by Caldwell and Mark Russell, it's it's that same kind of idea of heightening everything, being very satirical lampooning but everything but yeah everything comes from a place of in, in reality <laughs> and that makes it more scary and jarring and funny because it's like oh we're just three steps, steps away from this well and that's what that's what fucking blows me away about the fact that this movie was wrote, written so early because like steve young says the line about <laughs> fucking that line. the line about like when when something bad because that was what the the craziest like gut punch moment for me was like when cassius comes clean and tells everyone about that and then they're like thank you steve lift you've saved the world because this whole thing is now like it's so it's such whole... a frustrating reveal and it like made 
me nauseous. Like, this is the first yeah. movie where I came home and I had to take, like, nausea medication. Because I was like, fuck, this is now. Like, yeah. Steve Young says, when sh- fucked up shit like this happens, people either resist it or they get used to it. And in this movie, they get used to it. <sighs> After resisting. But, like, but, yeah, but yeah it, that hit so close to home, it, f- like, it fucked me up. <sighs> Anyways, <laughs> this movie. Y'all need to go see it. The, the, see, well, they, see it again. If you're this far, you have seen yeah. it. And if you're not, you don't listen to us, and I'm mad at you. But yeah, go see it again. God damn it, I uh, love this movie so much. So where can the people find you on social media? You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, etc. At Hey It's Jenalyn. Where can they find you? They can find me on all the socials. Not MySpace or <laughs> Napster or uh, FriendFace or uh, at yeah. the Chris Vito. I'm there. <laughs> the podcast is at Tomato Tomato Pod. Please give us a follow. Yeah, give us a follow. We'll like you back or whatever, you know. Yeah. Um, we're... If you liked this episode, please go retweet it. Yeah, kind of signal it, boost it out there. So um, leave us iTunes reviews. You can give us an email at tomato tomato pod at gmail dot com. Yes, uh, I think that's all the plugs. Yes, I is. have. Yeah, so um, we will be back later this week, if not next week. We're gonna try like to do some Comic Con, yeah. sort of thing, because a ton of stuff's gonna happen there. So yes. yeah, yeah. Um, until next time, keep watching movies. Preferably this one. Yes, this one. Go see it. Alright, bye. Bye. Right now, spoilers. Full spoilers. Turn back. Turn back. Go see this and then come back. Five, four, Four, three, three, two, two, one. one. Horse people. That was not how I wanted us to do this. That was not how I wanted us to do this. No. I might have to edit this because okay, that was fine. so... No. Okay, fine. We'll go back. We'll edit that out. Okay, well, well, we have the countdown. I'll put this at the end of the episode. We're not leading with that. Fine.